0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 9, 18 through 26, called Turning to the King."
1: We're going to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Turning to the King is the title of the message. Before we jump in, I want to give you a quick update. In 2015, we opened this building uh, because we outgrew a previous location at the corner of Lincoln and Ontario. You may have been a little confused if you're new to us. You see our sign out there during the week. And we own that property as well. So we own two properties. Right now, that property is being leased to two churches and a school, and they're doing some great ministry there. And one of those churches wants to buy that property and it's called New Day Christian Fellowship. So they're trying to figure all that out. So we have been looking around because we're on 2.2 acres and we have a growing church and we'd like to just have the ability to do, to have grass, to have fellowship areas, to do some things outreach-wise, etc. So we've pressed on doors over the years and it's been eight years since we came here. And we, we kind of came here knowing that it had a, a, an incredible sanctuary, of course, but it lacked in some other, other areas for the kids, classroom size, et cetera. In fact, last week we had about 15 toddlers in a small room behind that wall and it was packed in there. So um, about a month ago, Carlene Allen, one of the owners of what's called the Hillside Tree Farm passed away and she went home to be with the Lord. And a couple people uh, had informed us that the property was for sale It's 4.3 miles from here, about four and three quarters acres. And anyway, I I called the realtor and I just said, hey, uh, we're a church. We have a lot of history at the farm. When we were in a business park many years ago, probably about 20 years ago, we met the Allens and they opened up their property to us. And a lot of us uh, are here who were part of that. If, if you're not familiar with the Hillside Tree Farm, they do the craft fair there two times a year, and they have these bomb molasses cookies. Have you had the molasses cookies from the farm? Anyway, yes. So uh, here's what we're doing. We're, we, as we uh, try to faithfully lead you guys as servant leaders, the leadership has been praying. We met with the, We met with a group of us at the property. The family would like us to have the property. And so they're not giving it to us. <laughs> I'd like to tell you that it's it's a gift. You can pray for that, but but they know that it would be their mom and dad's dream to have a church there, especially living truth because we have a history there. So here's what's happening. This would be an additional property that we would acquire We would not be moving from here anytime in the near future. So you can just, no, we're not pulling up stakes and moving. This would probably be about a five-year process to develop this property. But we see it as an outreach opportunity, a place for the kids and families. There is a special piece at this property. You can just tell that the Holy Spirit's there. And it's got, it's just kind of a nostalgic, neat place. And so if we could redeem it for the kingdom of God, I think it would be awesome. It's already been used for the kingdom over the years. But anyway, that's what's before us. The family has decided, knowing that we had some interest, to basically put things on hold until we decide whether or not we can do it. So basically, here's what we need from you. We need your prayers. Uh, Just seek the Lord. We don't want to do anything outside God's will, so if the Lord's in it and I will just tell you this would not be the place I would pick as a main corner to have a cool, you know, rock and church there, but if the Lord's in it, the Lord's in it. It's got the space that we need and we could do some really cool things with it. So we'll just see what happens. I will give you an update as soon as I know something. All I'm asking you to do is pray. If you decide you want to give towards the possibility, that would be awesome. You guys know how we operate. We, we are not pressuring anybody to do anything beyond what the Lord leads you to do. But please pray. And then if it gets a little bit closer and it looks like something we could add to our ministry, then we'll do that and we'll let you know what's going on. And I, I do see that it would be a project for the next several years that we would do together. There's a lot of work to be done <laughs> uh, if we do acquire the property. So anyway, would you just take a moment to pray with me, Father? Father, Thank you for this wonderful congregation. We have so much history, many of us together, uh, decades really, 25 years for me and my family in this community, serving and, and watching you do miracles through your providential hand. And we just lay this before you, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know if it's your will, it will happen. And we're, gonna, we're just going to seek you together, Lord, and we thank you for all you are doing through this fellowship for the fact that you've allowed us really to reach the world with the gospel from this location. And wherever you lead us, Lord, we are gonna continue to do what you've called us to do. Thank you for this family of believers. Thank you for some time in the word of God as we turn our attention to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Open our ears, soften our hearts, speak to us, and help us to obey you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Turning to the king is the message. We're moving through the gospel of Matthew. We normally stand for the reading of God's word. So if you could stand to your feet, if you're able. Matthew 9, we're reading verses 18 through 26. Matthew nine eighteen, While Jesus was saying these things to them, a synagogue official came and bowed down before him and said, my daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her and she will live Matthew nine nineteen, Jesus got up and began to follow him, and so did his disciples. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus turning and seeing her said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. And when Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, he said, leave, for the girl has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, 25. But when the crowd had been sent out, he entered and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And this news spread throughout all the land. Amen, you can have a seat. Thank you, Father, for your holy word. Turning to the king, Matthew nine eighteen through 26. So as we read the gospel accounts and we think about the message to us, this is a very famous account in the gospels. If you've been around the Bible any length of time, you're probably familiar with it. The synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all intertwine the stories in the same way. But Mark and Luke give us much more detail than Matthew does. And we actually have a variation here in the story. Matthew says that Jairus says the daughter has died. Mark and Luke say she's on the at the point of death. How do we make sense of such a variation in the story? I've said to you that eyewitness testimonies often can vary. And people can pick up the story at different points in the story. And that's what Matthew is actually doing. He has an abridged version of the story, much more Truncated, not as long as Mark and Luke in terms of the detail. And so I think that's how we make sense of this, that Matthew is picking up the story when the, the word uh, of her death has come to Jesus and to Jairus, and it's kind of truncated, so I think that's one way that we can understand it. But as you think about these two stories, you think about uh, a synagogue leader, we find out that it's his 12-year-old daughter. Luke tells us it's his only daughter, and she's at the verge of death, and then she ends up passing away in the story. That's extremely painful. And then we have a woman, and a woman. this woman has a hemorrhage of blood. She either has a menstrual issue that uh, just doesn't go away. Some scholars believe that maybe she has a tumor on her uterus. But whatever the case is, she's constantly bleeding, Whatever you may think about The Chosen, that series that has come out, and I know some controversy has surrounded it, I would just encourage you to do your homework and listen to the original sources before you come to any hard conclusions on it. But they depicted this story, and I thought they did a good job with it. And they, show, they showed the misery of the woman. They showed how she was kind of uh, you know um, an outcast in society and how she would just bleed all of a sudden. And it was very... Inconvenient to say the least and embarrassing. Maybe the closest parallel I could think of is some of you deal with bloody noses and you know that your nose can bleed in an instant and you know it's inconvenient and it can be embarrassing and some of you have those issues but but that's nothing near what she was going through. In fact in the Mosaic law there were certain guidelines for women and remember this is Old Testament law but this is what it said that a woman when she was menstruating She was unclean for seven days after that. And so there was a a period where she had to kind of just isolate herself and not be able to go into worship and stuff like that. And she also could not have intimate relations with her husband during that time when she was going through that. This is Old Testament law. So um, that would probably exclude her from places of worship because she was bleeding all the time. Her husband couldn't be intimate with her according to the law, therefore her husband likely divorced her. So this is a woman that's not only uh, having a tough time in terms of uh, inexplicable suffering that's gone on and on, but it's affected her and how people see her and where she can go and where she can't go. And this has been going on for 12 years and Mark tells us that she spent all her money on doctors, Uh, I'll I'll just say another practical application is some of you have had a family member, perhaps you, go through a medical crisis. And if you didn't have all the insurance in place or, you know, things are unpredictable, maybe you spent all that you saved on doctors. That was this lady. But she had no cure. The key word in the New American Standard is she was suffering on and on and on and on. And then there's two stories of suffering because there's a dad who's, little girl is about to die, and she's only 12 years old. Now, what's interesting to think about as students of the Bible is that there's a sub-layer to this text, and many of Jesus' miracles are also spiritual parables. They have a deeper message to them, if you will. Think about the, what's going on. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett. Believe it or not, if you have doubts and questions about your Christian faith, you're not alone. The recent deconstruction movement phenomenon has a number of Christians rethinking what parts of the Bible they identify with. But is the movement simply about having doubts? If deconstruction is just about asking questions, I'm just asking questions, I'm I'm going through some doubts, then declaring war on it would be wrong and actually unbiblical. But if deconstruction is about leading people away from historic Christianity, then declaring war on it is completely appropriate and biblical. Pastor Michael invites you to watch our recent A Step Closer series with guest speaker Red Pen Logic's Tim Barnett download the free Walk in Truth app available in your app store today. You can also listen to the first part of this conversation when you listen to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth.
1: So this is a woman that's not only Uh, Having a tough time in terms of uh, inexplicable suffering that's gone on and on, but it's affected her and how people see her and where she can go and where she can't go. And this has been going on for 12 years, and Mark tells us that she spent all her money on doctors. Uh, I'll I'll just say another practical application if some of you have had a family member, perhaps you, go through a medical crisis. And if you didn't have all the insurance in place or, you know, things are unpredictable, maybe you spent all that you saved on doctors. That was this lady. But she had no cure. The key word in the New American Standard is she was suffering on and on and on and on. And then there's two stories of suffering because there's a dad whose little girl is about to die and she's only 12 years old. Now what's interesting to think about as students of the Bible is that there's a sub-layer to this text and many of Jesus' miracles are also spiritual parables. They have a deeper message to them, if you will. Think about what's going on. There's a woman with an incurable hemorrhage. She's bleeding. Nothing can stop the bleeding. And there's a 12-year-old girl on the verge of death. She's been suffering for 12 years The little girl is 12 years old. And in the Jewish mind, 12 always reminds them of the nation of Israel because they were made up of 12 tribes. So the sub-level is this. The nation is bleeding or hemorrhaging. And you could say it's about to die. And in fact, the nation would be judged by God through the Roman armies in 70 A.D., about 40 years from the time that these events are recorded, Israel would be judged by Almighty God. And they've never really recovered from it. So the nation is in view here. And I will just say, to make an application to a contemporary audience, here we are in America. America has foundations in the Bible. In fact, oaths were made by our founding fathers, including our first president, George Washington to Almighty God, giving God the credit for this nation, for the victories that we experienced early on in this nation. And I don't have to tell you that our nation is hemorrhaging. We have a wound that almost would appear incurable, the way things have moved so quickly in the last couple of decades. And God said to Israel through Jeremiah, you have an incurable wound. And God said, basically, I've wounded you and I will heal you. If you will simply reach out the hand of faith to me, and we're gonna watch the woman with the flow of blood say to herself, if I can only touch the fringe of his garment, I will be made well. And there's salvation language here because the word for made well in Greek is one word, sozo, and it means to be saved. It's the only place where a physical healing is spiritual salvation language is used. Think about the picture now. Here, here's something else. Early on in Matthew 9, if you take a peek at verse 3, Jesus heals a paralytic. And he says something shocking to him. He says, look at uh, actually verse 2. They brought to Jesus a paralyzed uh, man laying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm gonna continue to walk out this sub-picture just for a second. In Exodus 4.22 God said, Israel is my son, and told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my son go, because Israel is my firstborn. There is no other place in the New Testament where Jesus calls someone son. And there's no other place in the New Testament other than the parallel accounts of of these accounts where Jesus calls someone my daughter or daughter. Now, I don't have daughters. I raised three sons with my beautiful wife here, but we have an adopted daughter now, Natalie. She's our daughter-in-law. And we're about to have a wedding in our family, and we're gonna get another daughter-in-law, and her name is Sawyer Lee. And both these ladies are amazing ladies. And we have a granddaughter now, and her name, if you remember the Peanuts cartoon, is Melody, Melody. Some of you, that'll ring a bell. Some of you, it means absolutely nothing. That's okay. Never mind. I, I'm not going to give you the details. <laughs> but here's, here's the point. I want you to see the spiritual picture. My son, your sins are forgiven. My daughter, your faith has made you well. Israel is my son and my daughter. I can raise you back to life. You're paralyzed by your sin. I can stop the bleeding and the hemorrhaging. I can save you if you will reach out the hand of faith and grab hold of even the hem of my garment. If you just put out one finger of faith, I'll I'll restore your life. Oh, some of us have been crying out for our nation, right? And we've been saying, oh Lord, would that our nation would reach out the hand of faith. But it's more than that. It's not just our nation. Would that the church... Your sons and daughters would come home. So this week I was preparing and I was thinking, you know, these are some of the most painful things in life. Uh, The death of a child, Uh, inexplicable, long suffering that you, you try to get a doctor to help you, multiple doctors to no avail, spend all your time, resources, and you don't get healing. Some of the most painful things in life are right before us. And one of the reasons I'm a Christian is because Jesus entered into our pain. Amen? He entered into my pain. He's right there in the midst of it. So at the end of first service, I had mentioned some of these connections with the son and the daughter and how painful it is to lose a child. And some of you are in that position and you have, and a young couple walks forward at the end of first service. And I can see that there's a lot of of emotion and there's tears in their eyes, and they said, "Would you pray for us?" I said, "Sure." I said, uh, what's going on well the 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 mom said that on Mother's Day, so about a month ago, she had a daughter prematurely at six months pregnant, and it was a stillbirth, and they lost her and they said that ever since that happened on Mother's Day and they lost their their daughter it's caused them to come back to church. And they've been here about four Sundays in a row since then. And they both gave me permission to share this and he's in the military. And basically they said this, that through this tragedy, as, as hard as it is, and they ask for prayer and they need God's comfort, it has drawn them back to the Lord. And I'll just say this, that I don't understand all the whys of the pain and suffering in the world and the losses. And I'm not gonna try to tell you that I do understand it. But I do know that there's moments in life where Jesus becomes the only place we can turn. And we're gonna watch a synagogue leader and a woman reach out the hand of faith and really in desperation. And Jesus is going to do what only Jesus can do. And that is heal what seems to be incurable. He, in fact, he's going to say to the woman with the flow of blood after she's healed, your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. And if we're going to find healing in our nation, if we're going to find healing in the church in our nation, we're going to have to restore biblical faith in the Messiah.
0: You've been listening to Turning to the King, part one on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word.
1: As you think about this topic of turning to the king, you might be wondering, we're in a political season in our country. The Iowa caucuses just occurred, uh, choosing a, a Republican candidate. And some people are saying, you know, we're going to find our answers in the right candidate. We're going to find our answers in this or that. Some people are very politically uh, minded. Other people are sick of it. There's criticism and critiques seemingly no matter what you do. And and so as a citizen of a particular country, in this case, the United States of America, but a citizen of the kingdom of God, and that's what our whole – uh, teaching's been about in the book of Matthew. How do I navigate such issues? And what does it look like to turn to King Jesus? I can't see him. He's not visibly sitting right in front of me right now, though he lives in me by the Holy Spirit. You know, our decisions reflect who we follow. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So when a nation turns to the King of Kings, it's going to come out in our behavior. When a family or an individual turns to the king of kings, it will come out in our behavior. But you might be thinking on a practical level, we do live in a constitutional republic. I do have a chance to vote coming up in um, at the end of this year. What do I do? Well, I would just say this. if If Jesus is your ultimate king, if your allegiance is to the kingdom of God, then you act upon as best you can what's closest to the values of the kingdom. Simply put. But this story about Jairus and his daughter and about the woman with the flow of blood is about individual decisions, but they do represent, in some ways, corporate decisions as well. And I would just say this Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, blessed is the family whose God is the Lord, blessed is the individual whose God is the Lord. Turn to the king. Do you know him? Have you met Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He can stop the bleeding metaphorically in your life. He can heal your soul. He can get you on the right path, moving in the right trajectory. That's what it means to follow him as your king and live for the kingdom of God. This is Pastor Michael Lance. You're listening to Walk in Truth. Hey, if you're new to us, we're walking through the book of Matthew right now. It's called the gospel of the kingdom is the big uh, idea of the teaching of Matthew, and we're looking at some amazing stories in the gospel. I pray that you're being blessed by what you're hearing. Hey, we'd love for you to share it with a friend. Love for you to keep praying for us that the Lord would open new doors for us and continue to uh, use this ministry for His glory. If you find, want to find out more about the ministry, you can go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com and you can click on several different buttons that will tell you more about who we are. Walkintruth.com. We'll see you right here tomorrow.
0: And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 26, called Turning to the King. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.